Hello and welcome to the Mabinda podcast series where I basically uh, do opinion journalism on the top trending issues, stories and opinion pieces in African uh, media. <coughs> so my name is Collins Mabinda Okango. So for this episode I'll look at digitalcongo.net, a story on digitalcongo.net insecurity in Eastern Democratic Republic of Congo. London is said it was ready to have Kinshasa in the eradication of this scourge. That is insecurity in Eastern DR Congo. London said it was ready to have Kinshasa in the eradication of this scourge. So this gets me thinking. Uh, insecurity in Eastern Democratic Republic Congo is tied to the fact that there are so many minerals in the Eastern Democratic Republic of Congo. Gold, diamond, uh, lithium, copper, oil, it. All these minerals are found in Eastern Democratic Republic of Congo. According to the CIA, according to the CIA factbook, according to the CIA factbook, the intrinsic wealth of Democratic Republic of Congo is $30 trillion. That is $30 trillion. $10 trillion more than the richest country in the world, the United States, at $20 trillion. But this uh, $30 trillion will only be achieved if there is peace in Eastern Democratic Republic of Congo. So that will enable for value addition for Colton to be converted to mobile phones and we need to see mobile phone factories in Eastern Democratic Republic of Congo. Mobile phone, computer, tablet manufacturing plants, but they are currently in China and the United States. And then lithium should be converted to lithium iron batteries for solar electric cars. So we need to see solar electric cars in Eastern Democratic Republic of Congo. And then copper to transformers and electronic gadgets or, or equipment of all sorts. So we need to see electrical appliances being manufactured in Eastern Democratic Republic of Congo. Then uh, River Congo, we need to see hydroelectric power station uh, powering the whole of Africa because the Inga Dam. When Ingadam, when a, a hydroelectric power plant is constructed in, along Ingadam, it will be able to power the whole of Africa 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. And then we could, we should see the fertile source of Democratic Republic of Congo be able to see, to feed the whole of Africa. So, uh, now, then you see, we should be able to see uranium in Democratic Republic of Congo be converted to nuclear power reactors and again power the whole Africa or even power the whole world. So you can see that Democratic Republic of Congo is awash with minerals and there is no coincidence that there is insecurity in that part of the world because in Africa when you discover minerals, suddenly rebels pop up Puppet presidents are installed, uh, instability, the military coups. So, all this instability 
is well orchestrated by the global financial military industrial complex because if DRC becomes a 30 trillion dollar economy, if Democratic Republic of Congo becomes a 30 trillion dollar economy, and that's Makiu, that is just one country in Africa, we will not talk the whole of Africa. So if Democratic Republic of Congo becomes a 30 trillion dollar economy, then this multinational that gets their raw materials from cheaply from DRC, they will be driven out of business. Just imagine a kid in Eastern DR Congo cannot afford a smartphone or a tablet. And yet the mine he is sitting on is making trillions for other shareholders from other parts of the world. So that's how man eat man society the world has turned to be. And Africa is firmly at the bottom end of this value chain in the global military industrial complex. So it will take a lot of guts for Africa to be able to add Roma to add value to its own raw materials and be the master with of its own destiny. We were before for millennia before the last six hundred years put us off track. But it is essential that Africa returns to be the mystery and wonder of the world it was during the ancient days of Kemet and for the world to return to feed at the feet of Africa just as it did feed on the feet of ancient Kemet. So that's my two cents worth on the on the story on the lead story on digitalcongo.net that insecurity in Eastern DRC. London said it was ready to help Kinshasa in the eradication of this code. So there should be African solutions for African problems. I don't think London should come all the way while we have African Union. So what's the purpose of African Union? Then another, let me look at another media story. Then we go to Daily News Tanzania. Daily News Tanzania. It is high time for the nation to name one, one national park after him, that is John Pombe Magufuli. It is high time for the nation to name one national park after him, that is John Pombe Magufuli. So Magufuli exemplified the full crisis mode leader because he found when things were disintegrating in Tanzania. And so he would pop up at an airport, find that he was servant that, well, that is not performing, her duties well and fire her on the spot. Ask her a simple question. Uh, ask a provincial commissioner, which is the equivalent of a governor in America. Ask a provincial commissioner, mm, what is the government allocation to this province for such and such a project? If you don't know the answer, then he fires you on the spot and replaces with you with someone who answers that question correctly. Of course, some don't like this style of ambushment of crisis. Uh, development experts call this crisis uh, mode leadership that Magufuli exemplified. But that was him, and so some saw that he was returning Tanzania to the old good old days of Nyerere when government used to work or at least uh, used to listen to the people's problems. So, but on the contrary, also, there's some who say that he was uh, he was repressive to opposition and the media and uh, people like Tundulisu, for example, had to flee Tanzania. But then you have to ask sometimes 
who does the opposition in Africa stand for? Sometimes it is for the people, other times it is for Western interests. So sometimes the opposition really is a murky waters in Africa. You really don't know whether it stands for the people or whether that money is being channeled from donors abroad. So for me, I would say Magufuli's legacy is mainly economic in nature. And I think right now for Africa what it needs most is uh, its economy to function and we need economic transformers. Smart executioners is what Africa needs because they are there are grand designs to develop Africa. There are dissertation, dissertations and theses. Students have studied how to develop Africa. There have been columns in newspapers, news bites, advice from development experts. But what we need is now someone who can just take these ideas, print them out, and 3D print them out in a second. So we need smart executioners in there mold of the late Magufoli or random president that is Paul Kagame. So that's my two cents worth on Daily News Tanzania. That is okay and also just a quick note, someone said that Magufoli was anti science. So how can a PhD chemistry a graduate he had a PhD in chemistry, how could he be anti science? So again, that is being very mischievous and narrow-minded when someone is saying simply because he questioned COVID and some aspects of it that he was anti-science. And in fact, he promoted traditional herbal medicine, which Western medicine is just plant extracts from Africa with some fine refinements. So I think those are some legacies of Magufuli. So that's my two cents worth about this lead story Daily News Tanzania. That is, it is high time for the nation to name one national park after Magufuli because his legacy endures. So that's one story from around Africa. Then I'll do one story from around the world. So let me move to China Daily. China Daily. Biden administration repeating Trump's folly about Hong Kong. Biden's administration repeating Trump's folly about Hong Kong. So by now, now China has discovered that the United States is the same. Whether it's a Republican or Democratic president, they're all cut from the same cloth insofar as foreign policy is, is as far as foreign policy uh, goes. So the foreign policy of America stays even when the incumbent is a Republican or a Democrat. So in Hong Kong, of course, the United States supports Hong Kong. When Britain handed uh, Hong Kong over to China, it was two systems, one country. So Hong Kong was to practice a democracy while China, continu- while China continues with communism. But now under the new democracy reforms passed by the Chinese Communist Party, there will be tighter controls on who gets to vie for election and in effect gets to be elected. So the Western world, America and the Western world see this as uh, China clamping down on Hong Kong and wanting to put Hong Kong in its radar. And so this opinion piece from China Daily, of course China Daily is also pro-Chinese Communist Party, 
comes from that perspective that Biden administration repeating Trump's folly about Hong Kong. And fundamentally, I think the Biden administration agrees with Trump. When Trump came down hard on China, uh, it is just a different. It is, the only difference is in how the Biden administration approaches it. They are not so open like Trump. Trump who said China was cheating, China was taking away our jobs, and even on simulated coronavirus as Chinese worry. So, so I think Trump had many rough edges which Biden doesn't have. But in terms of this, uh, the script, they're both leading from the same script that China is a threat to America and needs to be contained as fast as possible. Because for America, they say you approach America, but you don't overtake it. So if you attempt to overtake America, it is all guns blazing. So that's the lead story from China Daily that Biden administration repeating Trump's folly about Hong Kong. So that's, that's about the story from China Daily. So let me do a quick uh, roundup of the startup news around Africa. Take in Africa.com, digital contactless payment by Apple Pay, now available in South Africa. But this, uh, just my two cents, I think mobile money is way ahead of Apple Pay in Africa. And, uh, and mobile phones are ubiquitous and widespread in Africa. Almost every African has a mobile phone and so for me mobile money payments is the way to go in africa for instance in 2020 kenyans transacted 47 billion dollars through mobile phones and so when you extrapolate that to africa that's about a trillion dollars if mobile money penetrates to the whole of africa which it could do very easily then we will move to cashless payments mobile payments and bypass electronic commerce and move straight to mobile commerce then Another story from Tech in Africa, another startup news. North African innovators to reap from $32.7 million seed program. North African innovators to reap from $32.7 million seed program. So every uh, country wants to build the next set of entrepreneurs to rival Silicon Valley and replicate Silicon Valley in their own uh, country. So Silicon Valley, the home to Google, Facebook, Yahoo. So it's the end of America, but now every every part of the world wants it. Shenzhen, China, Bangalore, India, Sao Paulo, Brazil, Nairobi, Kenya, Lagos, Nigeria, Cape Town, South Africa, um, Tel Aviv, Israel. All these ones are looking to replicate Silicon Valley and overthrow it. Even American cities themselves in New York and Boston are also competing to overthrow Silicon Valley. But as yet, I would argue that no city in Africa has the confluence of talent, money, infrastructure, and venture capital uh, that is rampant in Silicon Valley. So another story, startup news. South Africa cloud-based security startup expands to the UK. South Africa cloud-based security startup expands to the UK. So it's good to see that uh, African companies are expanding outside Africa. So in due, in due course then, we should be able to, it should be able that it should not be an anomaly for an African to own a multi-billion dollar company. So that's the story from techinafrica.com. Then another story from global startup news from techcrunch.com. Three ways venture capital firms can construct sustainably diverse portfolios. 
That is three ways venture capital firms can construct sustainably diverse portfolios. So, uh, venture capital industry has been accused that it is white male oriented. So, uh, this is what we call confirmation bias, and this simply means that a white male founder, a white male venture capitalist is more likely to identify with a white male founder. So, white male founders get funded more. Then, so what we need is to have also black, black venture capitalists and women venture capitalists and brown and Latino venture capitalists and Asian venture capitalists. So all this will be able to. So if a woman venture capitalist is assessing a woman founder, then she can relate with the experiences more, and she will, she even could see opportunities that. The, that these other, other uh, white male venture capitalists are not seeing. So that's a story from TechCrunch.com. Then another story, still from TechCrunch.com. Uruguay payment startup, the local quadruple valuation to $5 billion with $150 million raise. Although now with every successive fundraising for a startup, that means the founders share and hold on to the company is diluted more and more so it's good to seek funding but then at what point does it become then you lose uh, essence and control of your company so loss of ownership of the company is the biggest drawback to venture capital but and the counter argument is that it is better to own five percent of a hundred billion dollar company so that makes you what's $5 billion than to own 100% of a failure startup, which means you own zero. So I guess that is where venture capital gets its mark. Then another story, Clubhouse will create billions in value and capture none of it. So as I've said many times, the billion dollar firm employed practically the whole world billion dollar manufacturing or industrial company employed about 20,000 employees and sustained towns the billion dollar app or startup employs just 10 employees uh, of Harvard Stanford pedigree so that means even state university graduates all the way to the community college graduates high school graduates primary grade school graduates all of them are cut out from the app industry, the startup app industry. So the billion dollar startup just employs 10 employees of the Harvard Stanford caliber and has no product, has no revenue, has no profit. And so sometimes I wonder, sometimes it is like a Ponzi scheme. But let's see, maybe smart hardware and the inter- industrial internet of things will shake things up because sometimes I think the app industry is some kind of Ponzi, uh, Ponzi scheme. But I'm sure the industrial internet of things will straighten things up. So that's my two cents words on startup news from around Africa and the world. So let me look at student newspaper. Which student newspaper should I look at? So let me look at uh, uh, let me look at which student newspaper. Let me look at the Harvard Crimson. The Harvard Crimson, that is the student newspaper of Harvard University. 
I don't look at Harvard. There, there is no African university that publishes a daily student newspaper. So that's why I don't analyze African university student newspapers. So let me look at Harvard Crimson, the student newspaper of Harvard University. Harvard is a place, so this is an opinion piece, Harvard is a place for privilege and connections rather than academic scholarship. So it is saying that people go to Harvard for the connections and the networking to meet the future CEO, the future senator, the future president, the future celebrity, the future Hollywood celebrity. And really, Harvard attempts to have a class that attempts to predict success in these ways. The student who was the chess champion, the student who was the Intel science competition champion, the student who was the who wrote a novel in high school grade grade 11, the student who started a business in high school, the magazine, the student, the magazine editor of the high school, the editor of the high school student newspaper. So someone said that Harvard admits a rounded class, not rounded students. So I hope you got that. That Harvard admits a rounded class, not a rounded, not rounded students. But anyway, let me come back to the story that Harvard is a place for privilege and connections rather than academic scholarship. So uh, in this opinion piece still, they say the experiences of the poor Harvard student and the wealthy Harvard student are entirely different. Because the poor Harvard student is into books, but the rich, wealthy Harvard student is into schmoozing and connections. So there's what we call final clubs, or the Greek clubs in other elite American universities. So this is the place where the real socializing happens. And this real socializing is uh, tuned to the students who attended uh, wealthy high schools. So they have the same culture and, and have the same mannerisms. So they, punch, they invite these students to punch, mainly to be invited to join these final clubs. And there's a final club at Harvard that has a motto or, an, or a hidden rule that if you don't make a million dollars by the time you're at age 30, we will give it to you. So that's, how the, that's the kind of money you're talking about. And they see we're not making a million dollars by age 30 as being a pauper. So that is just the experience of the wealthy Harvard student, very different from the poor Harvard student that is uh, strapping by on full scholarship. So that's the uh, roundup of the student newspaper. So that's it for, the, for this episode. Now you can get my book, that is The New Africa Rising. That is The New Africa Rising by Collins Mabindo Kango. It's available on Amazon.com. Only $4.99. I've attached a link at the top. Just copy and paste it into a browser and then begin reading the first 20 pages for free. And if you like the fill tone and outline of the book on the promise and potential of Africa, just make a purchase for only $4.99. So in the book, I basically outline how Africa can move from the periphery of the world, where I call Africa the 1% continent because it contributes just 1% to the global economic output to rise to be the 70% continent contributing 70% of the global economic output. 
and so that means that we just uh, produce what we consume and consume what we produce so that means value addition which means we will create 200 times more wealth not 200 percent 200 times more wealth when we add value so that will mean our per capita moves from 1000 to 200,000 from 1 trillion dollars to 200 trillion dollars that makes me a very mad person for saying that Africa should be 10 times the economy of the United States within our lifetime within the next 30 years or 25 years and that uh, someone told me I should see a psychiatrist because how can this backward place of uh, world disease poverty illiteracy name, name all the negatives that are, that are associated with Africa so how can it be you know, 10 times the economy of the United States but I will argue that there's nothing as powerful as an idea whose time has come and an idea whose time has come is for Africa to move from being the cotton raiser of the world it has been for the last 600 years to be the main actor of the world that it was for millennia before things happened and we lost our way so it's just uh, repeating and reclaiming what was once ours so that the world would once again come and drink at the feet of Africa just as it drank at the feet of Kemet so get these ideas in my book that is the new Africa rising it's available on amazon.com for only 4.99 dollars and if you like it uh, just read the first 20 pages for free and then make if you like it make a purchase of only 4.99 dollars so that's the new africa rising by collins mabinda okango so thank you so much for listening and being an avid listener to my podcast series this is an opinion basically a comment it will be a comment section in the newspaper so this is opinion journalism at its finest this is opinion journalism at its finest so thank you so much for listening till next time that is in the next 30 or 40 minutes i'll be uploading another episode till next time bye for now thank you so much